Well, yesterday being Valentine's Day and all, I hope you all had a wonderful Valentine's Day, by the way. I hope you had somebody. And if you didn't have somebody like me, I had nobody. I hope you at least, you know, had some chocolate and enjoyed yourself in however way you want to enjoy yourself. You take that to mean whatever you want it to mean. <laughs> I decided to research some strange, weird facts about Valentine's Day and share these with you. Let's start with the history of Valentine's Day. Did you know that the roots of Valentine's Day can be traced back to the Roman fertility festival of Lupercalia? On Lupercalia, a young man would draw the name of a young woman in a lottery and would then keep the woman as a sexual companion for the year. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Ooh, look who I won, Tracy. <laughs> in the Middle Ages, young men and women drew names from a bowl to see who their Valentines would be. That sounds like some crazy sex party. They would then wear these names on their sleeves for one week. <laughs> That's weird. Today, to wear your heart on your sleeve means being transparent with your affection. Three different St. Valentines have been mentioned by the martyrologies of the Roman Catholic Church, by the way. The Catholic Church struck St. Valentine's Day from its official calendar in 1969. I wonder why that is, and I did not know that. Other strange facts about Valentine's Day. The University of Maryland has a team of academic experts dedicated to educating the media about Valentine's Day. Can you imagine that being your job? <laughs> what do you work four days a year? <laughs> what the hell? For every 120 single men who are in their 20s, there are 100 single women in the same age range. Really? Is that true? Sometimes I think there's more women than men, but I'm obviously wrong. But this story changes drastically when we look at people over 65. Beyond 65, there are 33 single men for every 100 single women of the same age range. Ooh. Well, yeah, because women, they outlive us is what's going on. So, oh man, I can't wait to be 65. I'm going to have three, four girlfriends. <laughs> I can't get one now. <laughs> more strange facts. Men spend almost twice as much on Valentine's Day as women do. Well, more than one third of men would prefer not receiving a gift. Less than 20% of women feel the same way. Did you know that more than 12 million pet owners are expected to buy gifts for their pets this Valentine's Day? You know, that means there are more pets getting Valentine's Day gifts than some people. <laughs> Like me. <laughs> Did you know also 15% of U.S. women send themselves flowers on Valentine's Day? Oh, that's sweet. Condom sales are highest around Valentine's Day, more than 20 to 30% higher than usual. And more at-home pregnancy tests are sold in March than in any other month. <laughs> and also, this is the last weird fact I'll give you. Penicillin, a popular treatment for venereal diseases such as syphilis, was introduced to the world on February 14th, 1929. Oh, it's an STD treatment that was presented on Valentine's Day. How fitting. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed these weird Valentine's Day facts, and I hope that you had a wonderful Valentine's Day with your significant other or yourself. This is Jonesy with Weird AF News. Please favorite my station as your Valentine's Day gift to me. And have a lovely, lovely day. Well... You'll be happy to know that there's a penis park in South Korea where everything is shaped like a phallic object. And you can visit as a tourist, and thankfully, it's nearby the Winter Olympics. <laughs> this story is from the Daily Mail. An extraordinary park in South Korea where everything is shaped like a penis has been inundated with fascinated tourists visiting the nearby Winter Olympics and taking phallic selfies. The city of Sinam is home to... Hasten Dang Park, better known as Penis Park, a monument to fertility born from a legend about a virgin and a fish. Even the town's quaint red lighthouse is made to look like a phallic symbol. <laughs> a normally obscure attraction, the park is drawing curious crowds of visitors from the nearby Winter Olympics just an hour away. 
Oh man, you have to see the pictures of this penis park. Wow, there's big large stone ones, there's little rusting metal ones, there's there's all sorts of cute little Asian women taking photos with these large phallic statues. My goodness, there's a shrine that's made of all penises. This is unbelievable. The unusual site features penis totem poles, penis benches, and penis wind chimes. There is even a penis-shaped cannon with a warning to tourists that it should not be mounted. The legend behind the park has been painstakingly chiseled into a row of stone penises. It tells of a virgin who died in a storm as her boyfriend collected seaweed from a rock in a nearby cove. <laughs> wow, what a crazy fantasy. According to one version of the legend, the village was unable to catch fish after she died until one fisherman urinated into the sea, somehow satisfying the virgin's spirit. The fisherman later erected a shrine and a phallus on the cliffs of the village in memory of the deceased. Isn't it funny how legends come about? Mythology is so weird. What may seem bemusing or downright odd in some people's eyes appears less peculiar to South Koreans who live in a country with one of the lowest fertility rates in the world. Oh, I didn't know that. Is that so? Well, listen, I'm going to have to go over to South Korea and impregnate some women. <laughs> I got to do it for the people. It should be known now that South Korea has several penis parks, so many that Hasendang markets itself as the only one on the East Coast. Can you imagine having this many penis parks? And why don't we have one in the U.S.? There's got to be one. Man, you got to see these pictures. This stuff is amazing. Well, listen, I would love to visit this penis park. Can we raise a Kickstarter for me? I want to do a penis park tour of South Korea. Apparently, there's several of these parks. I'll shoot video. I'll interview people there. It'll be great, huh? How about it? You guys give money to this penis park tour for Jonesy? <laughs> this is Jonesy, Weird AF News. Can you imagine getting high to help the police? Well, that's what's going on in California. Volunteers are getting high to help police spot stoned motorists. This story is from WN.com. Even though recreational marijuana is illegal in California, most people probably wouldn't be comfortable smoking around police officers. But that's exactly what Edson Villegas volunteered to do. He took part in what's called Green Lab to help officers, prosecutors, and toxicologists identify signs of impairment as drugged driving becomes a growing problem on the roads. Drugged driving, guys. That means driving while stoned. <laughs> I mean, how is this a problem? Everybody knows that when you're high behind the wheel, you drive more carefully than you do when you're not high. You certainly drive more carefully than you do when you're drunk. I don't think I'm even capable of speeding at all when I'm stoned. Police officer Brian Duncan of Glendale said approximately 75% of the DUI arrests that he makes nowadays are drug impaired, more specifically to cannabis than alcohol. Oh, that's bullshit. I call bull crap on that, Officer Duncan. Why are you lying? You mean to tell me that most of your DUIs are weed DUIs and not alcohol? That is a bunch of crock. Crock? I mean, that's a bunch of poppycock. Pardon my language. We're supposed to believe that nonsense. So as far as this green lab goes, the volunteers took field sobriety tests at the beginning of the evening, then went into a tent and smoked marijuana, then went back and took the same field sobriety tests so that officers could see if there were any changes in their mental and physical abilities. Now, this article doesn't tell you what the data is, so I don't know. They might have been better at the field sobriety test when they were high. We don't, you know, it doesn't say that. The volunteers were happy to do their part because they got free weed. <laughs> And uh, they were happy to help officers know that they can't judge every marijuana user the same way. Villegas himself agrees that he shouldn't get behind the wheel after smoking. He says he doesn't usually. He says, if I'm high, I don't want to drive. Like, why would I drive? If I'm high, I just want to sit there. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Most of the time, I don't want to drive either. But when I do, I take my time. I stay in my lane. That's for damn sure. 
<laughs> I don't know. I think it's okay if people are driving stoned. I don't think it's that big of a deal. That's just my personal opinion from my own experience driving. Anyone who's driven high knows that you drive more carefully. That's just the thing. The people who are saying otherwise have never tried to do it. All it takes is one time trying, and you'll see that you drive way more cautiously. What do you guys think, my fellow weirdos? Please call into my station and let me know. Let's talk about drugged driving. Is it serious? This is Jonesy with Weird AF News. News, news.